sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to hour number two of a Thursday live right here on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM channel 159. It's the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM all across the Sports Grid Network. I am Ben Stevens. A huge Thursday in sports. The Speakwinox, the 27th ever in the history of this world, Sports Equinox. All four major American professional leagues playing on the same day. There's an NFL football game tonight out in Arizona between the Cardinals and the Saints. There's Major League Baseball postseason action continuing. Game number two of the ALCS in Houston between the Astros and the Yankees. NBA regular season, day number three. NHL season continues on as well. MLS playoffs, a golf tournament, college football. So much happening on this Thursday. Let's look back, though, first on what happened last night in the NBA. Because college basketball starts here very soon, but it was a display of young stars in the association who were playing in the college game just a few years ago, or even as recently as last year, including that number one overall pick from a season ago, Paolo Bancaro, just from this summer. In fact, going number one overall to the Orlando Magic. And Paolo Bancaro put on a display in his NBA debut, the likes we have not seen since LeBron James. In fact, he is the first rookie in his first ever NBA game to finish with a stat line of 25-5-5 and since LeBron. 27 points for Palo last night, nine boards and five assists. It did come in a losing effort. This was a short spread, only about a point and a half, two points in favor of the Pistons, and they cover that number. It was number one overall pick from this past June's draft to the number one overall pick from last summer's draft, Cade Cunningham, for Detroit, 18 points, 10 assists, a double-double. Jaden Ivey making his NBA debut as well for Detroit, 19 points in his first ever game as an NBA rookie. So, of course, that leads us to Rookie of the Year conversations in the National Basketball Association. Paolo Bancaro entered the season and remains as the favorite to win the NBA Rookie of the Year. In fact, his number got shorter. It was plus 240 just yesterday. It is now plus 185, shortening by more than 50 cents. Jaden Ivey and Keegan Murray, because of that, moved back slightly to plus 550 and Benedict Matherin who got off to a very hot start last night showing his aggressive offensive nature he joins that fold a three-way tie for the second best price at plus 550 and Jabari Smith the rookie for the Houston Rockets out of Auburn he has the fifth best number at plus 750 then a drop off 36 to 1 to Jalen Williams so those are the rookies shining right now in the NBA but how about college basketball it starts in less than a month and for the first time this week We got the first AP poll of the season. We saw North Carolina in that national championship game. Go down to Kansas, sure. But UNC's run in the Final Four in New Orleans was highlighted, of course, by ending Coach K's career in the biggest trump card you will ever play. So North Carolina returns a ton of their talent, 
from a season ago, like Armando Baycott, and a ton, like Caleb Love as well. And they are the number one team in the country entering this 2022-23 college basketball season. Gonzaga, Houston, Kentucky, and Baylor round out the top five. The reigning national champs, Kansas, is tied for fifth in this AP poll based on points. UCLA, the only team in both college basketball and football to be a top 10 team, Creighton in there as well. Hey, welcome to our Sports Grid radio audience here, the second hour of the morning after live on this Thursday. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here on Sirius XM, channel 159, and all of our terrestrial radio affiliates now in the mix as well. I, again, am Ben Stevens. Thank you for being here with us on this Thursday. College basketball, not all that far away. And with so much happening in the world of sports right now, on the day that is the sports equinox for the 27th time ever, College basketball not far away from getting into the fold as well. So we showed you the AP poll up there, the first one of this year. North Carolina is the top-ranked team, but North Carolina does not have the best odds to win a national championship right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. That would be Gonzaga and Houston, those two teams that are ranked second and third respectively. Those two teams are tied for the best odds to win the Natty this year plus 850 unc though the third best price at 10 to 1 kentucky is a top five team they have the fourth best number at 12 to 1 kansas and duke also featured in the top 10 at 14 to 1 i will draw your attention you can't see their team name here but the creighton blue jays are 25 to 1 they're ranked ninth in the country they are the preseason pick to win the big east the Creighton Blue Jays are going to be a very, very good team. They were a very good team a season ago, and they add one of the most desirable transfers in all of the country in Baylor Shireman, who played last year for South Dakota State, who was going to make some nose, noise potentially in the NCAA tournament against Providence. South Dakota State did not win that matchup. The Friars get fried up as always. But a, a team to keep an eye on from that value perspective, in my opinion, is Creighton at 20 five to one the biggest difference that we see in the polls Baylor is tied for fifth in the AP poll but they're tied for the eighth best odds right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook and again Gonzaga and Houston ranked second and third not ranked second and third from the numbers perspective North Carolina is the top team but they have the third best price the Zags and the Cougs co-favorites right now at plus 850 to win a basketball championship this upcoming season to cut down the nets in early April at the end of another NCAA tournament. We go from college basketball to college football with our guy Joe Lisi setting the stage for week eight and this Saturday up next on the morning app. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Week number eight of the college football season is just two days away. In fact, we have two games tonight. We have two games tomorrow, but Saturday is our focus here because each and every Saturday, yes, I sound like a broken record, is significant at this point of the season as it pertains to conference championship races and trying to figure out all that is going to happen for the college football playoffs. So joining us here live on this Thursday on the morning after 
It is the mastermind of the college football pigskin. One of my co-hosts each and every Saturday morning, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern time on College Football Today, along with our good friend Kevin Walsh, and my co-host each and every weekday afternoon on Sports Grid Radio for Football Full Circle. That starts at noon Eastern time. Joe Lisi is here in the mix. Lisi guy, here we are yet again. Conference chaos around the country, especially after what we saw last Saturday in Rocky Top. When Alabama goes down, the college football season feels a little bit more chaotic. How excited are you for Week 8? Oh, I'm so excited, Ben. Now, I don't know if Week 8 can meet up to the expectations that we saw last week with those three stellar games that carried right through to that ball game against USC and Utah in terms of late-night Pac-12 action, but it's still a solid slate. There's a, about three or four more key games that will really dictate conference races, and this is what it's all about. You get a big weekend in terms of week number seven. It lives up to the building, billing in terms of 11.5 million people tuning into that ball game and right now you have a little bit of a lull but there's still great action to get fans prepped and ready for this coming weekend and we will get them prepped and we will get them ready and we will get them revved up because last weekend six ranked versus ranked matchups and you might be thinking all right what are we doing for an encore in week eight five top 25 tilts including the most important in my mind as joe lisi mentioned a huge matchup in the pac-12 a top 10 battle inside Autzen stadium where there is some rain and some bad weather expected for Saturday afternoon. 10th-ranked Oregon hosts 9th-ranked UCLA. The line works in favor of the Ducks. It is 6.5 right now, Joe. The total came down to 69.5 yesterday. It is up to 71 in a hook. It is a big number. But, Joe, with rain expected for Saturday afternoon in Eugene, how do you think the weather affects the outcome on Saturday between the Bruins and the Ducks? I don't think it affects it in any capacity, and I'm still sticking to my guns thinking that the underdog is the best team in this matchup and the best team potentially in the Pac-12. I've said it from the start of the year. I'm not backing down. Really like UCLA in this ballgame. A couple of reasons why I'm backing Dorian Thompson-Robinson and Zach Charbonnet on the road. They can pound the rock, averaging around mm. 213 yards on the ground. They're converting 55% of third down opportunities, and that is the weakness right now in terms of Dan Lanning's unit right now. They're giving up 50% to third down uh, conversions to opposing offenses. That's a huge cause of concern because if Oregon can't get off the field on three and outs and force or give Bo Nix a short field, I think UCLA is going to be able to sustain drives. I think they're going to be able to score and challenge that secondary. And outside of that, Ben, after the week one loss to Georgia, I know that Oregon went on a heater of five straight games. But who did they really beat? Eastern Washington, BYU, Wazoo. I mean, good teams, not elite teams. And this potentially is the most complete offense and defensive lines that we've seen in the conference. I think UCLA rolls, coupled with the fact that I like Chip Kelly in terms of the coaching matchup coming off a of bye. UCLA is one of just a few teams in the country in college football remaining. That is perfect, not just against the spread, but straight up as an underdog this year. The Bruins' two toughest tests as a dog this year have both been at home in Pac-12 play against Utah and Washington, and they won both of those games outright. Now a six-and-a-half-point dog on the road inside Austin. And Joe, we showed that total back up there to 71-and-a-half. Maybe because of that weather forecast, the total trickled down just a tad yesterday to 69 in a hook. But what we know about both of these teams, 
They can score the football. Oregon, the ninth best scoring offense in the country, averaging 42 points per game and have scored at least 41 in all five of those games after only putting up a field goal against Georgia that opening Saturday of the year. UCLA, also a top 15 scoring offense, averaging 41 and a half points per game. So Joe, you saw that total. It's now back up to 71 and a half. What are your offensive expectations for Saturday? Well, I think both offenses want to establish the run, right? I mean, as the running game goes, so does the play-action passing game for both Dorian Thompson-Robinson and Bo Nix, respectively. Oregon's won three straight in the series by nine points per game. And let's go back to last year. You remember that matchup in the Rose Bowl? Yep. In the fourth quarter, DTR got hot, right? He got hurt on the last drive of the game, and they weren't able to pull that ball game out. But I still like the physicality of UCLA's running game. They do it a little bit differently. They are able to pound the rock between the A and B gaps right up the middle. I think that is definitely an added benefit where Oregon wants to get out on the edge and utilize, obviously, the running backs and then Bo Nix's athleticism on the perimeter. That's the difference in both running games. I, again, I still think this game leans to the over. But at the end of the day, I still like UCLA. I wouldn't touch the over at 71 and a half because it's so high. And obviously with running the football, you can always get time of possession. And that's always a factor. But like UCLA to win the ball game outright. Oregon right now is booked as the favorite to win the Pac-12 championship because they are a six and a half point favorite this week against UCLA. Don't have to play USC and host Utah later in the year. Plus 150, the number on the Ducks, the Trojans, the second best price somehow, and UCLA, that third best number at plus 310. Joe Lisi, you have been all over the Bruins all season long. They were your pick in the preseason to win the Pac-12. 10 to 1 was the number then. It was 17 to 1 as long as that price got just three weeks ago. So here's a two-part question for you. If Oregon wins, what happens to their number as the favorites to win the Pac-12? But if UCLA wins... What does that number look like for the Bruins? Will UCLA be the favorite if they can pull off the upset on Saturday? Well, if UCLA wins, I think they're going to be the front runners. Let's not forget they blew out USC last year. Now, granted, no Caleb Williams and an interim staff, but I think they'll be favored over USC at the end of the year. So if they win, I think they have everything in front of them. Obviously, they have some difficult games against Stanford. That's always a tricky matchup, but everything is manageable for the UCLA Bruins. For Oregon, again, I think they don't move. I think that everybody's expecting Oregon to win this ballgame. The fact that they're playing at home, that the perception is Oregon's a much better team than UCLA right now. So I don't expect them to move off the 150. Now, if they blow UCLA out, let's say by 20 plus, maybe that moves a little bit down to maybe minus money. But right now, I don't expect Oregon to fluctuate that much with a win over the UCLA Bruins by anywhere from like seven to 10 points. A really, really good point because the expectation is for the Ducks to win this football game and maybe even cover a near touchdown spread. Both Oregon and UCLA, 50-1 to 1 to win the national championship right now. The best odds of any teams from the Pac-12. The Pac-12 has not made the college football playoff for five consecutive seasons. This is what is at stake right now. UCLA, the only remaining unbeaten team overall but Oregon has not lost in the Pac-12 as of yet quickly here Joe big 12 game a top 20 tilt in Stillwater 11th ranked Oklahoma State hosting number 20 Texas and it's the Longhorns Lisey guy as a six and a half point favorite on the road in Stillwater were you surprised by that number 
a little bit surprised, but Texas always plays <laughs> Oklahoma State very tough, especially in Stillwater. Got this victory a couple of years ago with Sam Ellinger at the helm. Again, this is a no play for me, but if I had a bet, Ben, I do not like Oklahoma State right now in terms of their defense seems gassed. They wore down in, the, in terms of the second half of that matchup against TCU. I think Texas is a little bit fresher. If I had to bet it, I would close my eyes and lay it with the Longhorns, but I'm rooting inwardly for the Pokes to win this ball game out, sitting on a 10-plus win ticket. Joe Lisi might have bet this game had a certain former associate producer here on the morning after by the name of Jack Weinberger not made it his bet of the week and mushed everybody that wanted to back Oklahoma State. Six and a half is that spread. It was four in a hook earlier this week. We'll look at the Big 12 up next because TCU is the only unbeaten team left in the conference as we go around the Saturday slate with Joe Lisi. Stay with us. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We continue our breakdown for the Saturday Slate Week number 8 in college football. Joe Lisi is with us still here on a Thursday Live on the morning after on SportsGrid, and I am Ben Stevens. So, Lisi, we were talking about that matchup in Stillwater. Oklahoma State, after the double overtime loss last week in Fort Worth to TCU, back home this week in Stillwater, hosting Texas. They're a six-and-a-half-point dog. The market looks very optimistically on the Texas Longhorns, who did not cover as a 15-and-a-half-point favorite last week at home in Austin against Iowa State. But even despite that, and despite the fact that TCU remains the only unbeaten team left in the Big 12, Joe, UT is the favorite to win the Big 12 championship as of right now. They're a plus-155 number. TCU still trailing them at plus-220, and Oklahoma State is that third-best price at plus-350. Should Texas be the favorite, Joe? Should the Longhorns be the favorite to win the Big 12 championship? No, I don't think they should. I think there's a couple of reasons why Texas is there, right? The game against Alabama and just, again, the national perce perception of Steve Sarkeesian and the Texas Longhorns. We know about the marquee talent. At the end of the day, they have two losses. And whether, you know, Quinn Ewers played or not against Texas Tech, they still lost to the Red Raiders right now that are basically 500. So at the end of the day, why they're the front runners in the Big 12 is just mind-blowing to me. Go back to that game last week against Iowa State. Iowa State pushed them around from an offense and defensive line perspective. We're in a position to pull that ball game out. That's an Iowa State team that is now un, uh, winless in, in the Big 12. So again, I think the two best teams from what I've saw from the start of the year to where we are right now is obviously TCU playing lights out. And I still give the inside edge to Oklahoma State. Uh, as long as Spencer Sanders is 100%, I still think they have an opportunity to get back to the Big 12 championship game. Texas has one loss. They lost to Texas Tech, like Lisey mentioned. Yes, Quinn Ewers was not playing in that football game, but it still counts against you when you need your position for that Big 12 title. Oklahoma State lost last week on the road in Fort Worth in double overtime to TCU. That was a top 15 showdown. The Horned Frogs scored 14 unanswered in the fourth quarter to force the extra session and walked it off at home. TCU this week, Joe, another matchup 
against a ranked opponent. This time, playing Kansas State. A three-and-a-half-point spread in favor of the Horned Frogs back in Fort Worth and over-under at 54-and-a-half. K-State has the fourth-best price in the Big 12 right now at 5-1. to Three-and-a-half, Joe. A short spread here for TCU and Kansas State. What's your breakdown of this matchup? I'm starting to like this game a little bit more. I really like TCU here in this ballgame. Now, Kansas State has won three straight in the series by an average margin of victory of an 11 points per game. But I go to the offense right now for both Kansas State and what we're looking at with TCU and Max Duggan. Max Duggan clearly is the best quarterback from a passing perspective. 16 touchdowns, one interception. They're averaging 297 passing yards per game. Compared to Kansas State, 158 yards through the air. And I think that's the factor with Adrian Martinez going on the road. He's played well. He's got four touchdowns, no interceptions, Ben. But he's only attempted 138 passes on the season. I I think that's a huge cause of concern if K-State falls behind in this ballgame, especially Mm. if TCU is, is up and emotional after last week's win. I think they jump up early and force Adrian Martinez to match them score for score. And that's where I think Kansas State is at a disadvantage, coupled with the fact that Deuce Vaughn is basically non-existent in that offense. Last year, he had 18 touchdowns. This year, only three rushing touchdowns. All the rushing productivity is coming from Martinez at the quarterback position. I don't like that recipe. I'm laying it with TCU. I do this ballgame by double digits. The Horn Frogs, the third best scoring offense in the country, the third best total offense in the country, led by Max Duggan. Lisa, you alluded to it right there. It's a great quarterback matchup between TCU and K-State on Saturday. Adrian Martinez has the shorter price to win a Heisman Trophy at 30-1 to 1 than that of his counterpart in Max Duggan, who is plus 5,000. But Joe, who do you believe has that edge at the quarterback matchup for this Saturday in Fort Worth? I think it's Duggan because he's had bigger games right now. You saw the the just blowout over Oklahoma, right, where he put up 55 yep. points and he, he threw it, he ran it, and he's a dual-threat type of quarterback. Now, Martinez does possess the same skills, but he doesn't have the yep. numbers heading into week number eight from a passing perspective to win the Heisman. I can't believe that he's 30-1, to one, to be honest with you, Ben, when we look at some of the other quarterbacks throughout the nation in terms of their numbers and where they're throwing the football. The fact that he's running it solely with that offense, he's doing very well. But in my opinion, not a Heisman Trophy contender. Give the inside edge to Duggan, especially the way he played in the fourth quarter last week. TCU is giving up 400 yards per game defensively, and Adrian Martinez can utilize those legs. He's run for 100-plus in two of his last three, and the only one under the century mark still put up 77 yards. A huge game in Fort Worth that will have implications for the Big 12. Kansas State and TCU, the Horned Frogs, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. All right, Lisey, ACC time, where my heart goes this weekend. Clemson, South Carolina, Death Valley, a matchup of unbeaten teams. Syracuse, a perfect 6-0. Clemson, a perfect 7-0. Two of the remaining nine undefeateds left in college football, but Clemson, the number five team in the country, a heavy favorite against the 14th-ranked Orange, 13.5 points. Joe, if Syracuse is to keep this game close, how do the Orange get it done? 
They're going to have to run the football and sustain drives. Just the way Florida State did last week, the first couple of possessions were very productive for the Seminoles. They jumped up early, just took too many chances, and the and the fake uh, punt really cost Mike Norvell and the Florida State offense and defense, especially in the first half, and a def- deficit. But Sean Tucker's going to need a big game day on the front seven of Clemson. That is the biggest matchup. Can Syracuse run the football on a defense that's only allowing basically three and a half yards per carry? If if they can, they're going to be in this ballgame, but they've lost four straight to Clemson by an average margin of defeat of 17 points per game. And the biggest oh, thing for me, Ben, is that Clemson's offense is converting 50% of their third down opportunities. That is the biggest change from last year to this year. Last year, they were only at 34%. So basically every five of 10 attempts, they're converting and sustaining drives. That's going to be very difficult for Syracuse going on the road. Gutty win last week with a backup quarterback. I don't think they're, they win this matchup or cover against Clemson. I think Clemson hands, hands them their first loss on the year. I'm sorry. Joe, you were riding the orange wave last oh, no. week, my brother. We had oh, no. you in the dome against NC State. Now it. you just do that to me? Come I on. I can't do it. Please. I can't do it. I know. Cannot do Listen, it. Listen, I... I respect your unbiased nature. I obviously cannot pick against Syracuse, and I will highlight SU here, the eighth-best total defense in the country, the sixth-best scoring defense, but Clemson does have the fourth-best rushing defense, and that is a matchup advantage for the Tigers. Speaking of Clemson, Joe, their updated win total, live right now on FanDuel, 11.5. The under has the little bit of juice, but if they hit the over, that's an unbeaten season. Clemson is on path for that right now, already knocking off Wake Forest, NC State, and Florida State. They're a minus 500 favorite, Joe, to win the ACC, the best odds of any team to win any conference in all of the country, and yet the fourth best price to win the title at 12 to 1. Do you think Clemson has the best path currently, Joe, of any team to reach the college football playoff? Yeah, they do because of their dominance in terms of the ACC. Six losses, only straight up since 2014, Ben. They're a dominant home team. One loss in in basically seven years. They just don't lose at home. And when you look at some of the games that they have left, obviously this one would undefeated Syracuse. They have Miami on November 15th. Outside of that, they have the Coastal Champion, which they should roll. I'm not sold on North Carolina's defense or any other team that steps up to potentially steal the Coastal to challenge Clemson. Now, the 11 and a half number is a little intriguing in the sense of they have a rivalry game with South Carolina. South Carolina coming into form a little bit. You never know with Spencer Rattler and Shane Beamer. So I don't know, but I think they have a clear path to win the ACC and crack the college football playoff. So week eight will have a tough challenge trying to do better than week number seven because oftentimes in life you set high expectations and they don't live up to it. That was not the case on Rocky Top. This past Saturday between Tennessee and Alabama, the Volunteers pulling off the upset, winning outright at home as an eight and a half point dog. So now we look at Alabama, ranked number six in the country outside of the top five, Joe, for the first time since the 2019 season. But the odds expect the Tide to have that bounce back. A 21 point favorite and a top 25 tilt against number 24, Mississippi State. Joe, to have that confidence once again in Alabama, do you need to see the Tide cover this three-touchdown spread at home on Saturday? 
Absolutely, and this is a very difficult game to cap. Mississippi State dealing with the loss of one of their players that passed away yesterday from an emotional aspect. What are you going to get out of the Bulldogs? Are they going to be up or are they going to be down? And, and coupled with the fact that Alabama's dominated the series, they've won 14 straight. You go back to this game last year in Stark, Vegas, they absolutely abused the offense and defensive lines. Will Rogers was under tremendous pressure, and I don't think it stops this coming Saturday in Tuscaloosa. I think uh, Bryce Young breaks out, and Will Anderson leads the charge. I think they cover this number fairly easy against Miss State. That struggle last week with Will Levis in the passing game of Kentucky. Quickly here, Lisey, only 30 seconds left. The Vols now still the third best price to win the SEC at plus 650. It's still Georgia and Alabama leading the way. Despite the upset against the Tide last week, Joe, give me your two teams playing in the SEC championship game that first weekend of December. Yeah, I think it's going to be Georgia and Alabama. I think it's status quo. I think Alabama will regroup, run the table, and I think Georgia wins out. And Georgia is a 10.5-point favorite already against Tennessee that first Saturday in November. Joe Lisi, you're the best, my friend. We go to the NFL. Up next with Harrison Sanders. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Week number seven of the NFL season begins tonight out in the desert between the Arizona Cardinals and the New Orleans Saints. It's a two and a half spread in favor of the Cards who are on an eight game home losing skid right now, hoping to buck that trend to start tonight for NFL week number seven. Both teams below 500, both teams just two and four straight up looking for that spark plug to get back on track throughout this NFL campaign. We'll look at Thursday night football and an early look at some of the Sunday slate as well. Live right here on this Thursday on the morning after on SportsGrid. We do that with Harrison Sanford. You can see him all across the grid all weekend long, Friday, Saturday, Sunday on in-game live all access. Harrison, thank you so much for joining us here once again on this Thursday to talk a little bit of the NFL. Yeah, I'm so prepared. Uh, so looking forward to this weekend. I will say this though. Uh, it's hard to keep track of all of the bets now that are you know, the tickets that I'm placing between NFL, obviously, yep. looking ahead to college football, NFL's here, NHL, NBA. There's a bunch of tickets to take to the booth now, my friend. The Sports Equinox happening on this Thursday and continuing to go throughout this weekend, and we'll see it a few other times next week, and then college basketball gets into the ring. So many sports here in the later portion of October. But let's start with Thursday night football. Again, Harrison, Arizona, a two-and-a-half-point favorite. The total tonight against the Saints, 43-and-a-half. What is your best bet for Thursday night football? Oh, my best bet, I have to go with the trend of the Arizona Cardinals just not being good in the first half. They have not scored a touchdown in the first quarter since last season so for me i'm going to roll with the new orleans saints they are plus 114 at least on FanDuel sportsbook uh on the first half money line so i'm definitely going to take that a couple other things that i'm keeping my eye on as well uh obviously there's going to be no more hollywood brown for a little bit there in arizona 
You also have the situation where DeAndre Hopkins is coming back. Uh, we don't know how much Robbie Anderson uh, will be playing uh, now that he's, uh, well, sorry. We don't, yeah, we don't, we don't, we don't know how long yet Robbie Anderson will be in, uh, in the lineup there for Arizona tonight. And so one person that I know, I think a lot of people might look at is Zach Ertz um, at the tight end position. But what the New Orleans Saints have done to tight end so far this year has been more than impressive. So first week, uh, Kyle Pitts, 219. Then Cameron Bray, K. Dotton, 213. Tommy Tremble, Ian Thomas, 320. Irv Smith, 325. Uh, Hayden Hurst, 321, just last week. Uh, they're really good at guarding the tight end position. So tonight, uh, Zach Ertz walks into that game with a 47 on his receiving yards and four and a half on his uh, receiving total. Uh, just based on the trends, I might have to hammer the under, even though he seems like one of the only targets left there uh, in Arizona. In these true Thursday night football games, we've had six of them so far this year. Five of the six under as well from that game total perspective, 43 and a half. But here's the good thing for both Cardinals backers and Saints fans out there. Yes, your teams are below 500. Yes, they are two and four, but they play in two of the three divisions in the National Football League where all four teams are at 500 or worse. All four teams in the NFC West, 500 or below. The same case in the NFC South, where the Buccaneers, Harrison, are tied for the top spot, but with the Atlanta Falcons at 3-3. Three and three. We saw Tom Brady and Tampa lose their minds a little bit this last Saturday against the Steelers, getting upset outright as an 8.5-point favorite. Now Tampa on the road once again, a 10.5-point favorite against the Carolina Panthers. Harrison, do you have any faith at all inside your body, your mind, anywhere that Tampa Bay can cover this number against the Panthers? Uh, no, because I had faith uh, in Tampa Bay, not just I didn't have faith in them last week covering the 10 point spread in Pittsburgh, but I put them on a bunch of my tickets as on the money line and they, <sighs> they let me down. So yeah. no, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to be able to do it. I will say this, though, I do like the under uh, in this matchup. The under is three and O for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in their three road games this year. So mm. when I have to roll with that and and even if you look at the Carolina Panthers side as well, this Christian McCaffrey uh, trade rumor, trade report, it really makes me wonder how much he's going to be utilized in that backfield. So you're already worrying about how they're going to score in general. Uh, obviously, Robbie Anderson's no longer there. We don't know what type of mood DJ Moore is in because of all of this uh, nonsense that's been happening uh, with them. Uh, and then so, yeah, Chris, and then Christian McCaffrey, as as much as he's vital to that offense, he's probably very vital to the franchise as a trade chip. So I don't know how much you'd really want to utilize him and risk injury uh, if you're going to use him to kind of reboot your franchise and get back some of those draft picks that you lost. So for me, I just don't I think both off offenses really won't go won't put up too many points uh, for Panthers, if any. So uh, give me the yeah. under in this matchup. I don't. I can't trust the Buccaneers with any type of spread right now. They're on my bad list. And that's very fair. You were probably yelling at the Tampa Bay offensive line just like Tom Brady was watching that game play out on Sunday. Tampa still has the fifth-best scoring defense in the league, and if you've watched any Panthers football, I'm sorry for you the last couple of weeks, but that offense does absolutely nothing. Tied for the second-worst scoring offense in the last three weeks. Sam Darnold has been designated to return from the IR, but Steve Wilkes, the interim head coach in Charlotte, has said he expects P.J. Walker to make the start against Tampa Bay on Sunday. But Harrison, we mentioned the weak division 
that is the NFC South right now. And it's reflected in the odds. Tampa Bay is still a minus 550 favorite to win this division. It is the best price of any team to win any division in the NFC. So is this still where Buccaneers backers can get their optimism that because Tampa plays in the weak NFC South, they'll still be a postseason contender? I mean, Tom Brady in the postseason is something that's going to, they're always going to be a uh, a competitor there at the end, a contender uh, if Tom Brady's your quarterback and you're in the playoffs. So with that being said, sure. Uh, but for me, I'm somebody who took uh, a Saints ticket going into the season to win a division. I'm still mm-hmm. holding on to my ticket and still feel somewhat optimistic about it. We got to think about yeah. the uh, litany of injuries that they've had. Michael Thomas hasn't been able to play. Jarvis Landry, Chris Olave didn't play last week. Marshawn Lattimore didn't play last week. So for me, and obviously Jameis Winston. So for me, I think there's still a lot of reasons to be optimistic about the New Orleans Saints. They almost beat uh, Brady and company at home. I think they probably should have won that game. Uh, and because nobody has taken that large leap outside of uh, like to, to separate themselves, uh, I still think the Saints have a great chance to win that division. They just got to get healthy. So uh, for me, if I was gonna, I would, I'd love that price right now. Uh, I, I still yeah. think the thing, the Saints can win uh, that division. Obviously, they've already beaten the Falcons earlier this year in Atlanta. So right now, Tampa Bay is still that favorite to win the NFC South in minus money. The Green Bay Packers entered this season as a minus one seventy favorite to win the NFC North. That is no longer the case. The Green Bay Packers and even five hundred, just three and three so far this year. And Harrison, just a four and a half point favorite on the road this Sunday against the Washington Commanders. After what we have seen from Green Bay the past two weeks being upset outright by both of the New York teams and the Giants and the Jets, how concerned are you for the Packers? Oh, I'm I'm very concerned. I, if, if they would have had a bye week by now, maybe I feel a little bit different because it's clear they need some reps. It's clear they need some practice. Um, they clearly need, they might need just some time away from each other at a certain point too. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm concerned about them, but I, I feel the same way about them, the same way I feel about Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. All they have to do is make it to the playoffs. And if they make it to the playoffs, it's going to be hard to deny them against any team. Because again, it, and I think I've said this with you before, it's not out the realm yeah. of possibility that Jalen Hurts has a bad game in the playoffs. It's not out the realm of possibility that Kirk Cousins has a bad game in the playoffs. It's not out the realm of possibility that Dak Prescott has a bad game in the playoffs. So uh, I still like Aaron Rodgers and company in the playoffs. They just have to get there. Uh, and that's yeah. that's the challenge that lies ahead for them. Uh, but I think they can get right here uh, against Washington. Uh, if there's one thing about Washington, uh, their secondary is poor. And this is this might be the week where Aaron Rodgers and his uh, and his wide receivers on the outside can probably work a little bit better than they have so far this season playing against the Giants in London playing against the uh playing against the Jets these are not uh easy matchups for on the on the defensive side of the ball I think uh Washington's a lot weaker in their secondary and I think it's the opportunity for Aaron Rodgers and um Rasul Dobbs and Christian Watson I think and Alan Lazard I think it's time for them uh, perfect opportunity for them to get right. So I like I like the Packers here, and I like them uh, to cover the spread as well. Harrison, you mentioned those playoff possibilities still for Green Bay, for Tampa Bay. Let's throw in San Francisco and Los Angeles as well. All four of those teams 
are just 3-3 three and three this year, and all of their odds to win an NFC title have grown longer throughout this season. So of the teams struggling right now on the NFC side of things, which are you most confident in to figure it out and make a run here the rest of the way? Uh, well, I like the Cowboys, uh, I, especially at their odds right now because of getting Dak Prescott back. I think that allows them to potentially come back in games. I think Cooper Rush showed that he can hold the lead, but when they're having, when they're trailing, I think it is obviously a different game uh, for them. And obviously, if they're up, that enables their pass rush to go absolutely crazy with Michael Parsons and Lawrence and Diggs back there playing uh, the ball hawk uh, defensive back role. So. I like the Cowboys a lot, particularly at those odds. I, I would have, I still, I had the Eagles going into the season winning that division. And I think the Eagles will win that division. Uh, but when it comes yeah. to a complete roster, I think the Dallas Cowboys are pretty close to that. And they have a quarterback they, I think they can relatively trust. Uh, so that's what I would roll with uh, in terms of team I'm most confident in. And, and especially when you consider the number that you're going to get for them as well. It does seem to be good value right now because Dak Prescott officially yesterday medically cleared to return. And when you look at that number against Detroit this week, back at home in Dallas, it's seven points in favor of the Cowboys. That screams that Dak Prescott will play in this game. And with how good the defense has been, if Dak can remain healthy, that is some good value on a Cowboys team despite their struggles in the postseason in the last 25 years or so let's go to another divisional matchup Harrison in the AFC because all of our focus has been on the NFC the Bengals or excuse me the Ravens and the Browns on Sunday in Baltimore the Ravens a six and a half point favorite against Cleveland Harrison we have seen Baltimore now suffer three losses this year and in all three of those L's they have had a double digit lead what is the key in your mind for the Ravens in figuring this out and closing out football games yeah, they've just been really poor in that second half. Uh, it's not just offensively, uh, but also defensively as well. Uh, they were going into last week, they were allowing 14.8 points uh, per second half. Uh, one of the worst, I think the fourth worst mark in the league. And now you have the, the Browns coming in there who've had a pretty surprisingly good offense so far this year. So that's, that's the key for them. I think they can do it this week because I don't think the Browns offense is that dynamic. Uh, maybe they could put eight in the box and challenge Jacoby Brissett and Amari Cooper uh, to be the best versions of themselves. So we'll see how that one plays out. But it all comes down to the second half. I, I love the Ravens' first half money line or first half with this uh, against the spread yeah. uh, in that matchup. Yeah, look at them in the first half and then hope that they stay just above that margin of six and a half and don't get to double digits because that seems, for whatever reason, to be the kryptonite of Lamar Jackson and Baltimore. Harrison Sanford, you can catch him all weekend long giving you the in-game live perspective as well for your NFL and college football slates. Harrison, thank you so much for your time. No problem. Good luck with your tickets we this round week, out my the friend. show here. Oh, great to have you here as well. We round out the show today on this Thursday with an NFL best bet next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out our two hours together here live on the morning after on this Thursday on SportsGrid, Sirius XM, channel 159, the home for SportsGrid radio on Sirius XM, all across the SpizGrizz network, 
That's Sports Grid. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here on this Thursday. It is a joyous Thursday in the world of sports. The Speakwinox, the Sports Equinox, for the 27th time ever in the history of this planet. I am pretty sure. Don't trust me on that. I'm not a historian. But what we do know, all four of the major American professional sport leagues playing tonight. The NFL has a game in Arizona. NBA and NHL regular season action. And Major League Baseball continues on in its postseason. Game two of the ALCS in Houston between the Strohs and the Pinstripes. But we're going to focus on the National Football League here before we say farewell to you. A best bet that I am heavily invested into. So before we say farewell, and before we say goodbye, it's time for an NFL Thursday night football best bet. It is time for Bye Bye Bye. After missing the first six games of this year, serving a suspension, DeAndre Hopkins is back for the Arizona Cardinals tonight. He is Kyler Murray's favorite target. It has been since he joined Arizona at the start of the 2020 season I expect Kyler to look only at DeAndre all night long and this is not a guy returning from injury that needs to get into form yes it's his first game action this season and he was banged up a ton at the end of last year but he's been around the facility now for multiple weeks I look at the over on his receptions prop it's five and a half and it's plus money he went over this number in three of his fully seven healthy games a season ago and in 2020 went over 11 of the 16 and despite the fact the Arizona Cardinals are the worst first quarter scoring offense in the country and haven't scored a touchdown yet DeAndre Hopkins is going to score the first touchdown of this game it's a seven to one ticket you will bet it with me say it with your chest and believe in it DeAndre Hopkins first touchdown score tonight against the Saints we'll be back tomorrow on a football Friday live right here on the morning after starting at 9 a.m. Eastern.